0: different approach today which hopefully everything everything will be good and everyone will be excited about it but um this is the training edge podcast i have with me a lovely athlete of mine and um, i thought y'all would enjoy jumping into essentially a coaching athlete consultation call that i have on the regular um so i have brian with me brian would you be so kind to introduce yourself please
1: sure my name is uh brian uh, benitez nelson i live in columbia south carolina and i am a multi-sport athlete by training by two decades maybe three decades or so of racing and competing and uh my 50 year old knees finally said enough with the running and so i dove into cycling um, but after all that time spent with the triathlon i realized. I was starting actually with not that much knowledge about cycling, and uh, so I thought I'd learn from the best, and I looked around, shopped around for a while, and was fortunate to cross paths with Isaiah, and now we've been at it together for a little over a year, and it's been amazing.
0: Brian's been an absolute pleasure to work with, and one of the reasons why he's a pleasure is he's curious. And that's also why I thought this would be the perfect um, coaching call to kind of share with you all. Um, And this is also the last coaching call I'm having in 2022 before the the new year turns. So it's also fitting in that direction. So um, what I was hoping to kind of share is essentially just uh, what a coaching call looks like, what um, glimpses of interaction takes place, you know, the coaching athlete relationship, that is present and then also just different topics that we touch on because there's these are always great and um I, i think you know athlete calls tend to vary based off the individual and what that individual wants out of it i've got some athletes that want the calls to be like 10 minutes long but i've got um athletes that would love to keep going on if we could so um yeah, I thought I'd just share a little bit of it here and hopefully everyone gets a good glimpse into it, but we're going to try and keep this pretty natural and just our normal conversation. So we're not going to hold anything back. We're going to dive into Brian's training through and through, um, you know, and uh, no, he's been crushing it. So it's not like there's anything to be embarrassed about. So we're all good. Um, all right. So the, another great thing about Brian is he sends me a list of questions ahead of time. Because, and the reason why this is so crucial is it allows me to, A, think about it ahead of time, prep if I need to, and for us to just get through the most uh, material possible and thus um, us benefit the most from these conversations. So it's great. Um, so I'm going to breeze through these Um to give you a little bit of a glimpse of what Brian is training for, he is training for a variety of things. It's the best thing. He loves to dive into a bunch of different disciplines. He just finished a uh, his first ever cross season. He is about to do um, the Hinkepi Crit Series. So he's jumping into crits out of the gate. He's also training for um, one of the first race, big races he has coming up is BWR az so a fairly early long gravel race so he's he's fun he's got like a good mixture it also means we have to do a variety of things all at once um so yeah let's get into it so brian you mentioned that um the hencappy series just released their dates and they are considerably earlier than we had first anticipated so they're a month earlier um and i did thanks for sending over your um lovely excel sheet um atp I adjusted your ATP and your training peaks, and um, you know the the interesting thing about that is because of how early um, your gravel race is and what those the, the crit series kind of leading into it. Because there's four events prior to it, it's just going to kind of change things up. It's going to be a little more funky. Um, I'm probably going to have you doing an interesting style. Um, micro periodization ahead of time. So I'm going to be having you doing some blocks of VO2 to prep for the crits. And then I'm going to also be having you do probably definitive work um, and simulation work for BWR ahead of time. So a little bit earlier than planned, just because those weekends absorb a good period of time for the crits. So um, expect that. And I'm going to probably capitalize. So Brian has a fairly free structure schedule, um, probably going to capitalize on Mondays to use those.
1: Yeah, um, that should work perfectly.
0: Sweet. Okay. And that way we have a little bit of time for you to absorb that. We can uh, give you a little bit of rest, a little bit of recovery after you hit those bigger days, and then we can prime you ahead of the crits so you'll be good to go. Um, the bummer thing about it is I think within that process, the overlap looks like you lose a couple crits as a result of BWR.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. The uh, okay. BWR has two races that weekend yeah. out here in South Carolina. Yeah. Um, Sorry. <laughs> so the, <laughs> the cost. We won't be going for the uh, the overall, I guess, but yeah. uh, it'll still be some fantastic experience. And yeah. I'm actually excited to get back into the racing a little bit before going up and doing the big Arizona race. Great, great. Even though the Arizona race is still, um, as you call it, an experiential event, because it is so early. Uh, It's always nice not to hit the big event uh, rusty. So I think it's going to work out well.
0: Yeah. And I think the interesting thing is the crits will provide quite a bit of that VO2 like primer that you'll experience in the early portion of BWR. And because I know that you're going to be going into it and want to play at the beginning, it's, it's good for that. It'll help you kind of experience um, what that feels like and how your recovery rate will be from it. So um, for example, if you go into an early season event and you haven't done really much VO2 work, it's foreign. And you might think that you're, you know, that immediate response to that might not be crazy. So you might not, you know, have bleeding, like basically breathing through your eyeballs out of the gate, but um, eventually that will add up because you're not adapted to that strain quite yet. So crits will help at least even just within the sense of, um, basically getting you accustomed to what the sensations are. Um, and it will also train the system a little bit. So, yeah, um, but we'll still, yeah, stick to the, I guess, like more April timeframe as far as really getting you to that um, peaked state or primed state. So Yeah, that sounds
1: perfect. Anything to make the day seem a little less long. Would be yeah, perfect. Ideal.
0: <laughs> no, it is good. And I think the nice thing is I was a little worried when those crits popped up early because at times that can mean that we lose time. Um, but I think with your schedule, we still have some freedom to implement that and you're far enough along within your build cycle that you have enough depth. So I'm not like trying to cram. Um, yeah. but I'm going to start to throw in simulation rides, um, really within the next month. So fantastic!
1: yeah, is that the, uh, kitchen sink?
0: Yeah, it'll be a mixture of that, but um, that's probably going to be your second one. I think I can okay. play with a little bit more direct simulation for BWR. Um, it's always fun with new courses that you don't really know because nobody's yeah. done it. So it'll be a little bit of a, a uh, guessing game, but, you know, it's part of the fun. So, yeah, it'll be good. Um, yeah, I think other than that, it doesn't look like it changes things too drastically. Um, just yeah, it, a few I couldn't
1: tell whether they're gonna actually have uh the race seven and eight. They okay. didn't list anything on their okay. uh, Facebook or Instagram though the 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 Tiger Town Classic, which is one of their races typically is listed for twenty twenty three but uh independently. so I don't know if that's something that's gonna okay, you know yeah. mesh together. Let me know if that if they end up
0: announcing that. Oh, I, I still have it in your ATP in hopes and honestly if it doesn't present itself we probably should find something else to plug okay. in there um yeah. so just you know because i would hate to have us essentially priming you for that range to essentially just have kind of athens at the end yeah
1: so it'd be nice yeah, to have i'll some find fun. some good good races to put yeah. on there no yeah. matter what
0: yeah there's no lack in your area um no. especially during that time so we should
1: oh, yeah it's perfect weather then so right right we're all hot to try yeah
0: cool um all right now you know you mentioned that your um your wife is doing seventy five hard, which I had actually never heard of. So that was cool because I had to look it up and um was going through it and was like, oh, this is actually kind of a neat concept because it's not like a debilitating thing, but it's enough to that you have to work for it. Um, yeah, so and uh, basically, 75 hard is, um, Brian, you might be able to explain this a little bit better, but there's, it's a couple different things that you have to accomplish each day. Um, including essentially like a diet, um, and then also reading 10 pages a day,
1: I believe. Yeah, I think, I think it was 10 pages. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So Brian asked if I had any, um, suggestions and the, the focus there is kind of like, um, mental training or lifestyle training, I believe. Um, so, i you know, I thought about this one for a bit, and I think um, one thing that actually just gave this book to my father-in-law, but um, it's a book done by the editors of Outside Magazine, and it's a short story, which is also what I was kind of like inspired because it's going to be 10 pages. I'm the type of person that's going to want to get through the, the story in 10 pages. Um <laughs> So it's great, though, because a lot of it is adventure or sport based, but it's not written on this crazy scheme of like only, you know, players in the NFL or only players in the NBA. It's and uh, it's not just cycling, which is also why I enjoyed it, but it pulls from crazy outdoor stories that they've experienced Um, everything from like water slide racing, which is a thing um, to, you know, being in the Arctic. So I would definitely check it out. It's called out there and it's done by the editors of outside magazine and it's, it's a pretty beefy book. So it's got basically all their best stories that they've ever written in there. And it's, it's kind of a nice, um, but in each one, you kind of get a glimpse into some pretty obscure approaches in life and obstacles as well. So that's, that's kind of the reason I, I, well, that, that sounds
1: perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. My wife's think, a voracious reader. So, oh, great, like great. stopping her at 10 pages a day is going to be, you know, yeah, it's I think a challenge the rest for her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That'll be the biggest challenge. That's um, awesome. But it actually sounds like something I wouldn't mind reading yeah. too. So, maybe when, uh, totally. when she doesn't have it in her firm grasp, I can check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let
0: me know what your uh, favorite stories from it were. There's some good ones and some wacky ones. Um, But yeah, let me know. <laughs> um, Thanks. Yeah. So you mentioned that you put a new battery in the in your re, in your heart rate monitor. Um, looks good from today. So I think hopefully that means you're in a clear. Um, yeah, doesn't look like there's any issues there. So, but I'll keep yeah. it.
1: it's form. a weird time of year with all the layers, and yeah, I find that sometimes you know you get that nice wool layer or merino wool, and you know it feels great, but the electronics don't like it. And,
0: Man, yeah. I've got I've got another athlete that. It's the only person I've seen this happen to, but essentially he has a vest or a jacket that flaps because he'll have it on and he'll open it as he warms up throughout the ride. And that flap will hit his heart rate monitor and it just goes berserk. It's the weirdest thing. Um, Yeah. So sometimes it's just kind of
1: obscure, Um, but yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a toughie. Do you want the heart rate data or do you want me You like, you know, not yeah. frozen. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: I'm like both. Um what? yeah, no, I I think I would sacrifice heart rate data at times if it means like, you know, comfort, enjoying the ride, not hating it every single time you go outside. So like that uh
1: thirteen degrees the other day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a little much, I think that, that for was, us here in the south. That's yeah, it's uh a little too far. A lot yeah. of things wrong with that number.
0: That was a um a temperature PR for Brian. That was the, the coldest he's written in was 13 degrees. Um, which with humidity, that's, that's a, that's cold that, that feels cold. So yeah, I was, I was impressed.
1: I was just frozen.
0: Um, all right. Then, you know, donating blood. So essentially Brian was asking about, um, basically how long the impact is basically from donating blood as an athlete. Um, and I've seen, honestly, I've seen it just across the board. I've had athletes, it takes, um, definitely a day at least. Um, and that's usually what I recommend is just to leave a little bit of a buffer for that full replenish from your body to build that, those, that blood cells back basically. Um, but I've also had athletes do a workout right after because they just haven't told me. So, um, I would, I would say let's, if you're going to do it, I'm all for you doing it. Let's just schedule it on a, on a recovery day. Maybe.
1: Oh, sure. Absolutely. I'm surprised that, uh, you said that was so short because, uh, you know, look online and I think we we're actually looking at the red cross, cross site and mm-hmm. they were saying it was 50 or 60 mm-hmm. days between donations. hmm and yep. then, so I was wondering, does it really take that long for your body to, you know, make yeah. up what are you given a pint? Right. Right. The, I wonder if, yeah. I wonder if they're
0: pulling that more from,
1: uh, man,
0: I bet they're being fairly cautious about it would be my guess. Um, but yeah, that's yeah. I don't blame them. give <laughs> have a wide variety, but you know, you did basically say you almost passed out. So, with past history of having issues with it we should probably be more cautious anyway
1: yeah yeah that sounds good
0: yeah i'll I'll
1: do it the race or the week weekend yeah please (laughs) yeah Yeah, thanks
0: (laughs) yeah yeah let's i mean honestly like a rest week i know this week's a rest week but um doing it in the on the next rest cycle might be a good idea um and then normally i program in Um, a pretty decent build and then two easy days for you doing it on the first of the easy days is not a bad idea so i would would target that
1: okay that sounds perfect yeah cool yeah the red cross has actually got a new brochure that they send out and they actually tell you where your blood went in terms No, cool that's cool that's cool
0: it's not just this mysterious person that's taking it no no
1: it's uh it's it's a pretty good connection okay
0: yeah good yeah yeah. feel like you're actually doing something then, which is,
1: yeah. I mean, I, um, uh, my wife, her face lit up when she read that and I was like, Ooh, that's cool. I want to be cool. part of that. So yeah, that's
0: cool. Man. I haven't given blood since college. Yeah. Been a while. Yeah. I
1: think we're all pretty guilty of that.
0: Yeah. Probably should be more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. And then the rest of his questions that he sent over, um, and this kind of gives you a little bit of perspective into Brian's curiosity, but essentially he said, basically for our final chat of 2022, I'd like to learn more about the coach's point of view. Um, and actually rhymed. So good work. Um, (laughs) and he started with basically how far do you encourage an athlete to get the work done? How often do you, how often do you have to restrain an overzealous athlete and what methods do you use to encourage and restrain. So great question. Um, And this is every day. (laughs) Um, You know, an overzealous athlete is probably a majority of my athletes. I would say most people who hire a coach um, are already fairly goal-centric. And um, a lot of athletes that we receive through the company is, uh, you know, wanting basically to be held accountable. Um, So that's one side of motivation. And you do that dynamically. Like, honestly, it doesn't take a whole lot of of work to hold an athlete accountable. You just have to be there. You just have to be watching, um, which is enough. So, but the overzealous ones are the interesting ones. Those are honestly the, can be some of the harder ones. But the biggest thing I do with the overzealous athletes is perspective. So ultimately I can't make you ride. I can't make you not ride. Um, It's up to you. I can tell you what direction will be the best for you to achieve your outcome that you want, but you have to do it and you have to do the work. So as a result, I can't make you not ride when you want to ride. So, but I can tell you what the consequences of doing so is and what that consequences towards your goals will be. And then that is the best scenario towards getting basically overzealous athletes to chill out and focus.
1: Ah. Um, so, so the athlete now gets to make an informed decision. Exactly.
0: On and what they do which is really important because if you're not a part of your decision, or if you're not part of that, like perspective and, and uh, path, then it's hard for you to get into it and hard for you to believe in it. And um, that's kind of like where the knowledge is power kind of thing comes in. Oftentimes some athletes that's not for them and they just need to hear when they did something right or wrong. Um, but others are really, they love to be informed and they like to have like reason to be doing something, so that's usually the direction I go with an overzealous athlete. Is basically like I actually had this conversation today with an athlete. Yes, you can add on 30 minutes of riding every day, but what happens when you hit an, a workout where it's actually important for you to be rested to a certain degree, and then all of a sudden you're not because you've been adding on four hours of training every week, um, thinking that it won't add up, and then it eventually does. So it's it's all those kind of like leave it, leave the power in the athlete's hands to figure to like make their own decision. So, um, but then encouragement is is a tough one because this can be one of the hardest things as a coach is basically providing purpose or providing encouragement to athletes that maybe don't have it or, um, and uh, maybe encouragement's not motivations, the better word, motivation. And that's really difficult because ultimately we can't, make goals up for you and we can't make athletes have purpose and have motivation they need to want to pursue it and they want to feel the reward as doing so so i think the biggest thing here and we explored this a ton during covid was uh, during lockdown was uh basically just how do we give athletes purpose. And how do we give athletes motivation? And basically it's just throw out a ton of ideas and see what calls to them. And I think that's the big thing is, you know, athletes come to us as experts and then be, you know, give them your knowledge and then see what responds and and see if they get excited and see if they don't and just keep trying. And I think like that's enough. And eventually, usually, um, athletes find what calls to them and find what excites them. And, you know, if they don't, then you can kind of like help guide them towards maybe something else. And I think that's, that's healthy too. So it's, uh, yeah. Um, but there
1: are things that I think coaches can help with that. Can you use, uh, an athlete's motivation as, as almost a metric over the the year or over multiple years If um, yep. you know, as a burnout or, you know, yep. they're not feeling it and they're not feeling yeah. that drive to get out the door and really hit that workout exactly or, or get that PR or go very hard in a race. Exactly. You know, can you pull back and say, oh, oh, we need to back off a bit, do something different with this athlete. Yeah. And I
0: think the, um, you know, the, the tough thing there is metric wise, you can say, okay, well this was his load. This was the, like the physical load, this is uh, and, and, you know, once he did this ramp rate over this period of time, it resulted in, in physical burnout. That's one thing um, if you actually if you're a coach that actually gets an athlete to being overtrained first, that's a problem. That's a usually you can have red flags along the way. Sometimes that can take place because, you know, miscommunication, um, stuff like that. But that's a big deal for a coach to get an athlete to being truly physically overtrained mentally is a very different thing and you can relate that to metrics. Like you can say, okay, well, he can't really, or she, they, the athlete can't really hold um, let's say 120 CTL. This is a high CTL, but they can't hold that. So we need to kind of next year approach it in a different way. So maybe we elongate the ramp so it doesn't happen as quickly so that they are kind of like dispersing that load. But ultimately though, what you can't do, which I wish you could, is put like a marker or a match, like burned or a marble, you know, like the analogy of having a jar full of marbles and you take one yeah. out that I wish you could do that. Cause like, honestly, those are, that's a huge thing. Like mental matches is a huge thing. And you learned this last year where you were, you know, racing a ton, you were super into it. You were, you know, overzealous. And I, um, in a, in a positive way, but we went into yeah. it at the end of the year, had the conversation of saying, Hey, let's simmer it back this year to make it more pointed, more focused. And then you can, Um, really when you lay out a marble in front of you and you put it towards an effort or a race, it counts and it matters. And I think that going back to adding on 30 minutes every day, or I have some athletes that will, will go above and beyond. Like they'll push their numbers every single set, they don't really see, and we can't see, four months down the road when all of a sudden they don't care to push the numbers anymore when it actually matters because they're probably closer to their goals, um, because they've been pushing it for four months or five months. Um, so there's, yeah, that's, that's the hard one too, is like trying to predict, but you do learn over time habits. The athlete has and what that results in, which is powerful for sure. Yeah. Yeah we're still learning with you. It's great when you're <laughs> in the bag, but we still got work to do.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, it's real interesting. Uh, like you mentioned, we had that end of season kind of review mm-hmm. and talking about, and I asked, you know, what I, what you'd suggest I do differently. And, and it was exactly that to, you know, don't go out and try to get the very top end of each range for each ride, you know, save your efforts for the intervals within a long ride. It might be a four hour ride, but, it's the intervals in that ride that are so important and, uh, and starting this season, following, uh, those guidelines, uh, it makes a world of difference. And, uh, and I, I feel, I'm feeling better, faster, feeling better, more quickly on the bike, more natural on the bike, uh, over a shorter period of time. Like our, our, the off season wasn't that long ago. And I feel like I'm up to speed and I think a lot of it has to do with those concerted efforts to really pay attention to the the work that needs to get done. And the other stuff that, like you said, there's a time to go hard and a time to cruise. And yeah. It's, that's a big piece of advice right there. Yeah. I mean, perspectives
0: and knowing when is, is tough. It is. Um, it's easy to dig a little bit deeper on stuff that feels good, but when it doesn't feel any good, That's actually when it usually is when you need to dig deeper, when it matters, (laughs) when it matters, not always, but most of the time. Um, Yeah. (laughs) All right. Let's let's see what's next. The you wanted to see or hear step by step how I review an athlete's workout. And this is an interesting question. I don't know if I've actually been asked this outside of maybe like other coaches. Um, So yeah, I basically actually pulled up your file from today. Um, I had Brian doing like a two and a half hour ride with some, uh, tempo, tempo alterations and threshold alterations staggered. So I had him doing it earthly, early in the ride and late in the ride. So a little bit of a, a fatigue booster and then, uh, seeing how efficient he is at threshold late. So, um, basically, honestly, the first thing I do is, uh, I remind myself kind of what I was what the purpose of that workout was. And then from the purpose you're pulling out, what are the things that I care to look at? Because there's so many, like you can, like you can spend hours pulling through metrics of, of a single file, but like, what is the, what are you really going to receive from that? So for the most part, um the big first hits that I look at are going to be power and heart rate. Those are the two that I pretty much segment immediately. Um, I'll look at how the athlete uh handled the day. Like a, did they, did they, do the workout. That's usually the first thing, of course. Um, Turning Peaks does a color coding system, so it's fairly easy to see whether or not they've got <laughs> the time in, but you can get the time in and get the green box and not do the workout whatsoever. Um, and that usually changes, of course, what I'm looking at or what I'm about to look at. Um, assuming they did the workout, which you did. Um, I then pull out heart rate and power. And from that point, I'm looking at What was the, what did each effort look like? Did he achieve each effort? Did he uh, achieve the effort basically to the T? Did he push the effort? Did he um, fall apart? Did, was there consequences of those efforts basically? Um, And what does that look like? And the consequences can be something small. It can be like, oh, his heart rate rose per set. His heart rate didn't rise per set. His heart rate barely moved. Um, His heart rate rose Um, Gradually through the set, those are all indications of different outcomes and where the athlete is in a different space. So I'm trying to learn from you through these sets and uh, through just the, the workout in general. And what I'm ultimately looking for, I guess, is, you know, what your response from that stress training stress was. Can we progress from it? Do we need to repeat it? Or do we need to step it back. And um, are you in line with kind of the progression? I need you to be towards your goals in the future. So, um, you know, in, in the case, just using yours, most recent workout as a specific example, um, you nailed the sets, uh, you kind of ramped through a majority of them. Um, threshold sets, uh, honestly, I would put a little bit more emphasis probably on where you did them, because that's another thing is you can dive into, you know, maybe the the efforts weren't done in the perfect place and you had a few spots where they were, it was pretty hard for you to stay on top of the power due to a downhill looks like. So exactly. I would, I would say maybe find a slightly better place to nail those next time. Um, But otherwise like outside of those extreme environments, you were in control of your power. Um, And uh, but your heart rate did show the environment that you were in. So just because your power was less because of, uh, the downhill, your heart rate continued to rise because you were still in an extreme environment. Like you were still being stimulated in a different way. So, um, and these are, this is all high level critiques that I'm throwing at Brian. Like this isn't, um, what I would be telling every athlete, but because I know that Brian can achieve these efforts a little bit more smoothly. Um, I think we can optimize a little bit here. Um, rest looks great. Heart rate falls quickly. Uh the per kind of where we are with him right now, I expect to to see certain things. And one of the things I expect is heart rate rise um per the threshold work to be a little bit higher than it would be within obviously like let's say tempo work. Um he just hasn't been thrown a lot of threshold right now. So it's not super adapted to it, which is fine. That's where we want you to be. So um sometimes I point those things out because sometimes athletes want to know, other times I don't. Um, but those are all like little things that I'm looking at I breeze over cadence ranges, what he's kind of settling into. Um, If there's a change when he gets into higher output, sometimes uh, athletes increase or decrease cadence based off of wattage or effort, um, which can be a good and bad habit. Um, Then I also look at what basically I had him do early sets and late sets. So middle portion, he's already under some stimulus because he already did one set. So I look to see if heart rate, was basically at a different level because of that stimulus than it would have other been otherwise been. So, um, yeah, those are all like the things that I'm looking for pretty quickly out of the gate. There's a lot of other things like decoupling, um, just workload, heart rate load. Uh, I oftentimes look at zone discrepancy as well. Um, there's yeah, temperature, all sorts of things. Um, and honestly, something I forgot very first thing I look at very first thing, is comments.
1: It's uh-huh. the very first thing I read.
0: Because it changes everything. Like I can scour through a file without any comments. And then if somebody gives me a comment, it can change everything. So that's that's the first thing I do, which is always why I appreciate when athletes leave like really quick feedback because it's yeah, it's helpful. Super beneficial. So anyway.
1: and then do you uh keep like a massive dossier on all of your athletes or do you keep it just all up in your noggin? I mean this is one, one ride for one athlete of, you know, all your athletes kind of thing. And like you said, you need to know where, where they're trying to get to and all those other things that you mentioned. Yeah. How do you keep track of all that?
0: Yeah. Uh, Honestly, a majority of it's in my head. Um, The, you know, one of the greatest benefits of really building a coach athlete relationship is the, the more time you spend working with one coach, the more obviously you get to know each other. Um, and then you build out that relationship and then the better, the, the memory is of the coach that knows you and vice versa, like the, you both know each other better. So then they're going to retain more. Um, when I started with an athlete, like when I started with you, I created, I was typing the whole conversation we had because I was taking notes on you for the first consultation. And then I'll add to that probably for the second into the third, but then probably come the fourth consultation call. I probably won't take notes again because I just have it memorized and I do for all of my athletes. Um, what I don't have memorized is like schedules. Sometimes I have to ask, uh, athletes if they have tough schedules over and over again, what their schedule is until I kind of memorize it. Um, but yeah, the, what I'm pretty decent at remembering, sorry, remembering, um, (laughs) athletes, I guess like quirks or what makes them tick. And that's, I think like pretty beneficial. Um, but yeah, eventually I get like, I've, I pretty much have your power curve memorized. And I get that way probably around, I don't know, six months working with an athlete. Wow. Yeah. Well,
1: I'm impressed. I, I'm uh, someone who has to write yes. everything down. And, uh, but it's a, this is a, it's fantastic though, because this is, um, I mean, this is one on one coaching, but it's, um, it is extremely personalized. Right. Like, like um, yes, it should be. You know, it is. We're, yeah. we're, we're thousands of miles apart from one another. And I feel like, I know you very well. And I definitely feel like, you know, me very well. Great. And uh, yeah, and that, it really helps, you know, in terms of the accountability and the trust. Yeah. All these things that, yeah. So kudos to you for keeping <laughs> it all in <on> the noggin.
0: <laughs> Thanks. It's it, it has taken me a while. And I think uh, that is something that I'm trying to apply to the the coaches that I'm training now. You can't memorize A bunch of athletes straight out of the gate you you start to mix them up you don't remember certain details um but over time you know you get better at it you you remember more and and retain key things you put you know what to put priority to remember and it, it helps so yeah um all right your next question was an interesting one this question was what is the happiest or proudest um that I've been for an athlete. Um, And I think this is really tough. And I've I've been asked this before. Um, The easy answer is a result. So national championship, a pro win, um, those things that like really stand out, um, those are easy. Um, But honestly, I think like most of the time when athletes achieve a result like that, you know that they can achieve it and you have seen it in them for a period of time. And so it's not actually that surprising. You're just finally like, yes, they, they, they figured it out. They made it happen. Um, so it's, it's almost more of relief, um, for them. And then the the, the time where I'm most happiest or proudest for the athlete or, and myself is usually when they've overcome something big. So, injury um you know divorce like a huge thing that took place in their life um I've had athletes I've had several athletes uh kick cancer's ass and be able to come back and and ride again um I've had the you know pleasure of, of working at with athletes through that and um I'm beyond proud of them I always will yeah. be so
1: absolutely
0: I think like those things matter way more and i think that that's kind of uh those relationships are are a big uh thing that stand out to me for sure and i mean like the results are are great and that's like what makes the biggest coaches is like what pro athlete they've coached and um what's their biggest result that their athletes have achieved but honestly like that's that's a nice stamp but that's about it so gotcha um yeah i would say the rest i mean like i've had an athlete achieve a really big result after being a new mom. Like that's, that's what I'm proud of. The result is less of a thing and more her, how she conquered um, being a new mom. That's the, like, so it's that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. So you're, you're sharing in the joy of them obtaining, you know, the kind of the icing on the cake to the whole process. Yeah, Yeah. yeah.
0: exactly. It sounds like a,
1: it sounds like a very uh, rewarding job.
0: It can be. Yes, it can be for sure. It's, uh, I mean, I think I'm, I'm (laughs) not every relationship is amazing. Like there are times where, you know, coach athletes don't, um, mesh and that's, that's fine. Like that's, that's the world, um, as it, as it exists. And that's, uh, those, that's something to be learned from. And those are the athletes oftentimes that I've learned the most from. So I appreciate them for that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a very rewarding job. It's why I do it that's why i like working with athletes um in general so um yeah good question man you're you're good at these um and then you asked how basically do i um do the same coaching principles that um apply to the olympic athlete and to the weekend warrior so um yes and no so if it's truly like an olympic athlete that that's all they do um you, there's actually just less variables that you need to be considering. You can uh, you can view their training at a higher level and you can look at the details more. So you know those marginal gains that everyone talks about that you're diving into that more because there's rest there's the less of like, oh, they need to you know juggle family time or they need to even maybe dodge weather or you know whatever it might be or they have a work trip. like you rarely have to do that with an Olympic athlete. Um, so yes, I'm throwing somewhat similar training or workouts at them, but it's probably, uh, much reduced or with, uh, priorities kind of shifted. Um, and as a result, the training tends to be more elongated. So what I mean by elongated is the builds are usually elongated Versus, you know, with a pro athlete, I can throw a 30 hour week at them and, um, you can't do that really for many people. Um, So I would say like, that's the biggest thing with the ability to have a higher training load with the ability to have a more talented athlete. You probably are able to push them in different ways. So as a result, you will be giving them maybe harder workouts, um, but harder is oftentimes relative. So um, it's not always as simple as like, Oh, the, you know, I give, an athlete Tabata's and I give, you know, my normal athletes three sets and I give my Olympians 20 and it doesn't really work that way. So, um, it's, but there is a slight difference. Yes. okay Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Um, and then your last one actually stumped me and I had to think about it for a while. So his last question was, if there was one thing you would like all of your athletes to do better, what would it be? Um, Uh, Yeah, that's a, that's a tough question. I think, I mean, the first thing that pops off is probably communication. Like that's, I think that's probably the biggest thing. Um, As we've talked about on this conversation, like I, I enjoy getting to know my athletes. It helps deepen the knowledge of basically of what the coach is working off of. Um, because otherwise it's, it's more or less, they're just working purely off of numbers. So if they have more of that relationship to pull off of, it's better. So I think the communication going both ways is really important. Um, them being proactive, I think is, you know, goes in line with communication, like reaching out if they need me, um, giving me a heads up when things are going awry or like are, are, are wrong or they're not happy. Um, those are all things that I think we as coaches need to be really receptive to, Um, and I can only, we can only be so psychic. So, um, but I, you know, I've had, uh, over the years, I've had athletes that have have shared some really personal things with me. And I think I'm really, you know, I'm touched that they are trusting enough to do so. Um, but I know that that takes time. So I, 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 you know, I can't fault someone for not having it within them to share it as well. So I, I, I think that's the big one. I think the other one though, is to, um, for athletes to be able to, uh, give themselves a little bit of grace and basically, you know, it's the concept of, I'm going to give myself 30 minutes to feel crappy about this. And then I'm going to shelf it and put all of that energy towards nailing the next thing. Um, I've had an athlete recently who has a really hard work schedule. He works a lot. Um, and he gets, you know, it's oftentimes the trade of whether or not he's going to get like a quality night sleep or he's going to get a workout in. And we have those conversations often and it's, uh, but lately he's been so motivated to like have a green week. So essentially just nail every workout that like he missed one and it was a, it was a big deal, but he was annoyed about it, vocalized that and then shelved it and then nailed the next like week. So, um, nice. it's, it's, yeah, I think like the communication and then, um, giving yourself time and then using the energy appropriately, I think is like the big ones that I would encourage.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like those answers. The communication is really interesting when we started uh, over a year ago, you know, and I called you, had great conversations right from the start. And then it was like, Oh wow. You know, two weeks already. I don't really have that much (laughs) to say new to him. And, and you you said, I'm good at uh, writing an email and, and, and giving you questions ahead of time. The The funny thing is, is now like we'll hang up and then about an hour or two from now, I'm going <laughs> to come up with something yeah, that I didn't always. ask. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I try to like clump all those together. So that's why I have a whole list of questions by the time things yeah. comes yeah. around again. Cause it's, uh, I mean, I know I'm allowed to contact you in between and I always do. Uh, yeah. but just in terms of like more lengthy conversations, sure. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. This conversation. And I'm, uh, I do like to gab, so <laughs> I am. I'm in that sense, you know, uh, our conversations are never quite on time, right? Uh, but right. Uh, yeah, the communications is awesome. And then, yeah, on the on the other hand, um, being kind to one to oneself, you know, while you're trying to reach or obtain your goals, that that's that's tricky. That's really hard not to beat yourself down over some things. That, you know that if you're able to pull back which a coach helps you do, you can see, well, that's not really that consequential in the overall scheme of things, you know, we can deal with that. We can cope with that. Uh, But yeah. Yeah. I like those answers. Those are good ones. Thanks.
0: Yeah. And going back to, you know, the, the concept of um, motivating or I guess encouraging or restraining, as you called it earlier. um, It's, it's one of those things that if an athlete doesn't beat themselves up over it at all they're usually in the camp of the athletes where you have to kind of encourage um and uh verse if an athlete is beating themselves up they care a lot yeah. like they care enough to beat themselves up over it um and yeah i mean that's that, that's the same concept of uh, what kind of athlete are they and and uh working out an approach that works well with them and then you know being actionable on it so yeah. All part of the fun.
1: <laughs> Perfect.
0: Cool. Well, um, as always, thank you for the wonderful list of questions, um, to, I guess like wrap things up per per usual. Um, you know, honestly, big thing is just have fun at tomorrow, just freestyle it have fun. Hopefully you're able to get on some trails. That'd be awesome. Yeah
1: yeah it's been bad here so in the south they they close the trails pretty fast Uh, if it rains or it freezes so uh, might be on the road again but i'll get on those trails eventually
0: okay good brian has a sweet new mountain bike um but yeah get out do a little bit of freestyle ride bring in the new year kind of see it that way um and then deload a little bit next week i've got you doing uh, a few long rides, but it's actually a uh, lesser volume than what you have been doing. And, um, then from there, uh, you'll start to see a little bit more of a mixture of workouts just because of the, what we talked about at the beginning of the call, which is essentially those races kind of mixing up and, and approaching. So, yeah, but sounds exciting, fun training. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Looking forward to it. Great. All right. Um, well, thanks, Brian. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for, um, yeah. Thanks for the curiosity and Nim, thanks for being my final athlete call 2022 um
1: (laughs) absolutely it's my pleasure i I really enjoy your training edge podcast so getting to be part of it's fantastic yeah yeah you're you're starting out (laughs) i'll pass it around to all my friends and family yeah